I love to see people in this restaurant and I love to see them they enjoying drinking you know, chatting but I feel like am I able to cook or not today is the day we are playing this episode on Wednesday the day that Melbourne dining is allowed to reopen I'm talking to Joshkin Oysel from Tulum Restaurant. We're speaking on Tuesday, the day before everything happens. At 11.59 p.m. tonight, Melbourne restaurants, cafes, pubs are allowed to open their doors. Numbers are still limited. There's only 10 diners allowed in each space inside, up to a maximum of 20. And there's up to 50 diners allowed outside. And both of those numbers have got density restrictions attached. So it's definitely not open slatter. Those numbers don't make it easy for many businesses to get break out of um, making a loss, break into break into the black, but it is something. And we've just had two days of zero coronavirus cases in Melbourne. So the feeling in the city is pretty excited, I have to say. Josh Kuhn, Thank you so much for coming along today to have a chat to me on Dirty Linen. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. No, thank you for inviting. It's my pleasure. I've seen you a few times through the pandemic. I don't live far from Tulum and I've had the privilege of enjoying some of the takeaway food that you've done over the period. Um, how, you know, I have to say, sometimes when I've seen you, you've looked pretty sad. How are you feeling at the moment? Oh, I think at the moment I am over the um, over the moon, and even the, uh, the restaurants can open for ten people inside, which is for me it's that I can see people in my restaurant. So that makes me really very happy. And but when we were doing this um, takeaway, and the I. You know, I have to do it because we have a um, couple of um, student visa holders and it is more than um, business or making money. It was actually supporting our staff here. But um, at the same time, for my, uh, for my heart, I never enjoy doing the um, takeaway. I find it a bit um, soulless, you know, just, you know, prep everything all day and then when the order came you just put it in a box put it in a bag and then in a second your food is lost somewhere which you know which my my idea of cooking is just cook with the cook to the people that i can talk and i can see how they're enjoying and talking about the food and the stories behind but the mm. good thing is like now we can open for even 10 people, which is amazing. Yeah, well, I have to say that even when your food was takeaway, I could still taste the love in it and I could still taste the soul that you put into it. So it wasn't, it wasn't too... It wasn't too far away from what you wanted it to be, but I agree. There's nothing like putting the food in front of somebody and having that experience of seeing them eat it and really having that connection by being in the same place. I think it's something that all of us have missed and longed for, whether it's 
from the kitchen side, the the service side or the diner side, I, I really think we're all going to be so moved by the experience of being back together again in restaurants. What do you think? Oh, I mean, it's I'm, I'm, as I said, like I love to see people in this restaurant and I love to see them. They're enjoying drinking, you know, chatting and and but, you know, even like we opening on Friday is going to be our first day and I'm start prepping today but I feel like I can really cook again you know I'm now questioning myself am I able to cook or not you know it's mm. it was quite a long time not being in the kitchen and what we used to do and um, but I'm I feel like you know you know we're going to go back to normal as soon as we can and but no, I mean I, I'm happy. You know, I'm, honestly, it's it's great to be, and um, even even for camp camp people. Mm. That's interesting. Like you've got this sort of element of doubt to it. Is it the doubt of? I don't know what what is it. What is that? What is the feeling? Um, I don't know. I feel because I haven't cooking for um for the you know the restaurant menu that what we used to do. And I feel like I'm lost my, I like that's how I feel. This you know I'm always negative, especially about myself. <laughs> and you know I feel like oh God, how I'm gonna cook this dish? I forget about that dish. And so how long should I cook that dish? And how long is gonna stay on this stove? You know like all these details that it's it's it was in my mind that now I feel like I lost them all. But I feel like nervous. Um, but I'm, I mean, when we start, you know, cooking, I know it's going to come back to me. But at the moment, yeah. I'm like very nervous. Wow, interesting. I mean, in a way, from that perspective, do you think it's better to have lower numbers to start with, so that you're not thrown back into that full service experience straight away? Absolutely, no, it is. You know, it's even for um, for camp people. It is good for us to start, you know, like on our feet in the kitchen, and bring back all the recipes, bring back all the food, and it's like a training for ourselves for minimum amount of um, our guests. I think it's it's it's. I mean, I'm happier for camp people wider than full opening. Mm, interesting. And what about financially? Like, how are you? What are you doing to maximize the income, even with those restrictions? Uh, I think we're a bit lucky because we have um, two rooms in the restaurant, and the the first one is for inside, which is only ten people. But we have also a backyard, so it's an open area, so we can easily um, uh, bring. 15 to 20 people, which is, mm -hmm. which is a good number. But also front of the restaurant, there's a big uh, food path. And so we bought lots of um, uh, plants and and the, like the herbs. And so it's going to be like beautiful and greenery outside. So all together, I think in one seating, we could be like 40, 45. Oh, that's great. Which is really that's good. really great. Which is very good, and there's and a lot of demand. So Friday and Saturday we do um like three seatings, 
So it starts at 5 o'clock. The second one is 7 o'clock. The last one is 9 o'clock. And, and before the, uh, you know, like before the pandemic, the 5 o'clock, it was a joke, you know, like, you know, if you think about, let's open at 5, <laughs> it was like, no one will come. But at the moment, yeah. 5 o'clock is already, it's full. The first sitting is full, full, um, totally full now. That's so great. It's great. Wow. Well, actually, now that you say all that, it really doesn't sound like an easy start. It sounds like you're going <laughs> to yes. be working all all night and all day and it's going to be intense the whole time. It is. Well, you know, after well, four months, so we're ready for it. I mean, we're ready. Yeah. To welcome everyone here. So great. Uh, well, I remember when we opened in June that Tulum was uh, my first like dinner out, and we again you had the seat, the seating. So I was I think we were we were there for two hours or an hour and a half. I can't remember what it was, and we're like, well, can you give us a full tasting menu, seven courses in that time? And I felt like we were. I mean, it was beautiful. I enjoyed it so much, but it it felt like. Um, what it felt like some kind of Olympic septathlon or something. Like I've really felt like, um, yeah, I deserved my gold medal at the end of that uh, <laughs> eating race. It was it was brilliant. Um, yeah, but we still have two hours um, seating. And if anyone wants seven course, that's what we do here. It's easily can be done. Um, but it's going to be a little bit rush, obviously. Um, but you know, you know what it was. I think I was talking too much to my friends because we were so overexcited that we could be in a restaurant together. <laughs> yes, and um, I mean, lots of people, even like on the messages that we receive from social media or email, or even when they call us, they they even don't want to talk about the menus or or dietaries. They all want to say, we want to come there. That's it. No dietary, nothing else. Which is like, everyone is so excited at the moment. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? I've heard that from other people, you know, even during, with, with people doing takeaway, that dietaries were really not so much of an issue. So it just makes me wonder, did people just decide they wanted to eat? I mean, some of those, of course, people have allergies. That's different. But I think a lot of those those preferences or those, oh, no, I don't eat like this, I eat like that. I think a lot of those things have fallen away. I know. You know, you know the, the cuisine, it's based on onion and garlic, what we do here. So we use a lot of onion, a lot of garlic. And sometimes people, when they say, oh, we're allergic to onion, and then the, the, you know, one of our floor staff came and tell me, you know, this table is allergic to onion and garlic. I said, oh, go with, okay, let me and talk to them. So when I talk to them, they say, you know, it's a little bit garlic is fine or a little bit onion is fine. <laughs> so, so you know what I mean? It is, it's, but, you know, even that, it's, it's, it's great that, you know, people um, want to go out. They, I think they're fed up and stay home cooking or either takeaway food. Now they, they're looking for someone to serve them without thinking the food or dietaries. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Joshkin, I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about, about your background. You, you're from Turkey, from Istanbul. And um, tell us a bit about what life was like for you as a boy, because 
I know it was very different to life in Melbourne. Oh, I mean, <laughs> the life in Melbourne and life in Istanbul, it's, it's for me like before Melbourne, before, uh, after, uh, after Istanbul. So I was born in Istanbul, grew up in Istanbul, and also studied um, tourism and hotel management in Istanbul. And so we have a, like a small family, I would say, and I'm the youngest. I have a brother and sister. And so we were living all together in a very small house. So we didn't, I think, my, I mean, like the family didn't have enough money that uh, we all were living in the same room, except my mom and my father. And so, you know, like when I grown up, and I always wanted to be actually a football player, to be honest. <laughs> so you uh, did. I, I did. And I actually played for the national team. And, but, um, you know, I had a serious injury on my leg, and then I couldn't keep going. But and then I fell in love with, with cooking. And then I went to London for studying food and wine, like a shipping. And then back to Istanbul and find myself um, a job, which I worked actually with the same company for 12 years. So it's called the House Cafe. And, but you know, it's, uh, you know, like when I say I'm really like negative about myself all the time, I think being, I keep thinking like, you know, whatever I do is always wrong, but working very hard and have a dream is, it's that part of, you know, I cover my, that negative side that, that I don't have to think about it. So if I have a time, like sit down and do nothing, I'm become very negative person. But if I keep working and doing something, now I don't have to think about that side. And right. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, well, it does. I mean, I suppose it makes me think that lockdown is really not very good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it wasn't good at all for me. Mentally, I felt like, you know, like I'm, I'm always like um, feel I don't. I wouldn't say like depressed, but I, I wasn't thinking clearly. I wasn't thinking um, like positive for the future, and I feel like this is end of the world. Like every day, like there's something you know that I keep thinking about this. Um, but but you know it's it's you know like if we're going back to Turkey, and you know. The life is there already hard for, you know, trying to survive and find a job and pay the rent and everything. But at the same time, being a gay and that you have to cover your yourself on top of that, it is, I was like carrying whole wolf on my shoulder. And, but when I come to Melbourne, <laughs> I realized that actually there is, there is no, there's, there's no, I mean, like being gay is mean nothing here. Like you, I don't know when I say like nothing, it's like, it's like normal. Yeah. And it's, that's why I mean, like I find myself last for already five years now I'm in Melbourne, but now on, I feel like, you know, whenever I met people that's, oh, you have a girlfriend. I said, no, I'm gay. You know, now I can say that easily and proudly people that 
knowing that I won't have any um, negative negatives from yeah. the other person. So I feel like very comfortable and 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 relaxed, to be honest, being myself. That's so good, Josh. Can when did you realize that you were gay? Um, I was. I mean, I always knew you know, like myself around say twelve, thirteen. And then but one day when I was in a, in high school for three years, I fell in love with my sport teacher for three years and and that three years is like actually six years for me. Every single day mm. and every single night. You know, like you fall in love with the person that you even can't tell talk to that to your best friend, that you're actually in love with someone. Um, but no, I mean, I was like around, say, 16, 19, 20. I knew what's happening, what's happening to me. Um, but this high school um, was for three years. I, it's, it, was, it was pain for me. For Did you have, like, was it something that, was around you like was there did you have words for it could you ex- sort of explain it to yourself or was it just these feelings that um were overwhelming you uh, because of where i grow up and and there, there's no meaning I, I didn't know what has been gay and i didn't know even like i didn't have any idea about homosexuality and i didn't know anything i thought you know I'm the only one, like a boy, and who's actually likes another um, the male, and and I thought, oh my God, what's happening to me? I think, and being also uh, and growing up in a Muslim family, and, and you know, like it's impossible even to think about it, and so you know, it's it's it was actually like very dark. Even the daytime, it I feel like you know my heart was dark and and unknown what's happening to me, and the problem was actually that I find it that I cannot talk to anyone to get some advice. You know, I didn't know anyone, and and I was so worried that if I give some some sort of hint to the people that I I'm gay or I feel like gay, that probably like end of my world that if someone knew what's happening to me in my you know in my soul um, no but I mean I think I find the the um, the light end of the tunnel is is the cooking it's something that I love to do and something that you know it keep me busy and you know something like what I do is also inspire young chefs in 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 turkey which is like you know thank god that you know i have something to hold on it yes yeah i mean it must have been a, a, a really big weight and it is so great that you saw that that you know this other this pathway a path that could take you anywhere in the world really was i mean have you what happened like did you in the end tell someone in your family um, well, 
um, there's another story actually with my sister, which which I think everyone that we know may. I'm really like in love with my mother. I love her so much, so deeply, as well as my my sister. And I I love my sister is because she's my sister. Yes, but also she was um sixteen, more like one six, and she had to marry it with one of our neighbors' um son that who lives in Germany. It's like fixed marriage from my father to this guy's father she was only 16 and yeah like she she never been outside istanbul but when she was 17 she was living in germany that she couldn't speak any any language anyway so i thought like you know she was living in germany and for five years six years she keep coming back to visit the family and then one day I thought, yeah, because she lives in Germany, I'm sure, you know, like, she met someone like like me or she knows about this, she's more mature and, and all those things. And then I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to tell her this time when she's coming. And then, um, so one night I said to my sister, can we talk and can we go outside, like somewhere in the street that we can talk? She says, yeah, yeah, no problem. So, you know, talking like daily base stuff. And then I said to her, look, I tell you something, but please don't tell to anyone, even my mother and father. And she says, you know, you're scaring me, but tell me what it is. And I told her that, you know, that's how I feel. And like she's she's become like someone so totally different person. You know the, the person that I feel like you know love and she she loves me I know that but she suddenly become like different person she says that's how can you do this to your family and blaming me and you you're sick and we have to go to hospital and don't tell this to your you know your mother if you do they will die you know all those things so I thought oh my god if if she thinks like that. You know, I can't even imagine to telling that to the rest of my family. And since then, I stopped even, you know, even thinking about it. That's so, so sad. And, yeah, it's really, it's hard to imagine that you could have, yeah, stayed. I mean, did you feel like you had to choose between, uh, you know, living your truth and being... Uh, in Istanbul with your family? Um, I mean, because of the way that I feel, I knew that I had no space in that family. But I didn't want to um, burn the bridges as well because of my mom. And all I was um, planning for my future is the best thing is to move out as soon as possible that I can, which is like, you know, find myself a job. So I think I was like 18 or 19 while I was studying food and uh, tourism and hotel management in Turkey. And I was working in a coffee shop as a waiter and, you know, just making money and then to renting my own small um, apartment in Istanbul to live there by myself. So that was like, I was seeing myself to be out of this, this small world 
Mm. I don't have that term, but it's the from the family because I knew there's no life for me. The best thing is I had to move. So you know, move out first from the family. So it's almost like a couple of hours away from where they used to live. And so I find myself in a small apartment, keep working, work harder every day. And yeah, so that was, the, I think it was the best decision for me to move in out the family. Yeah, I, that makes sense. And I mean, it's, it's so poignant because so much of your food uh, is very connected to your mother. I mean, uh, you've got a famous um, dish, the chilber, so the egg with yogurt um, and burnt butter. It's just so incredibly delicious. But I also remember the zaitun yali, the vegetables cooked in olive oil. And, you know, there's just a real connection to your beloved mother through these dishes that you put your own modern spin on. Can you talk about the way that you you come up with dishes and, and the way that they do connect to you, to your mother and the dishes that she made for you? Um, yeah, so um, what actually we do here is it's based on um, home cook, home, home food, like what my mom used to cook for us, even like, you know, when we talk about the recipes or the dishes in the kitchen. So we have, you know, every, like, the varish on the floor, and then the camera of my business partner or cows and my sous chef. So when we talk about these specific dishes, we all have some memories. So the the idea is for for me, okay, it is very personal. It's that we know the dish, but we have to expect we have to work hard to explain that dish for our guests actually why we did this and how we do this. So that is for me um, really very important. So yes, that's you know every mom's cooks in Turkey, and you know it's like very um, simple um, recipes. So which I think where I'm very lucky and and also feel rich for to have that life experience because again like you know. In, in our home, every single night, we have minimum four to five different dishes, like every mm. single night. And if there is one another dish from last night, we were like all complaining. Are you serious, mom? <laughs> How can you do this to us? You don't love us anymore. You know, like, <laughs> that's how we, there's so many food that she was cooking. So... You know, we take that um, the food the way that she cooked. Yeah, th- I mean, that all makes sense. And I think it's really evident, you know, this beautiful heart and soul to these dishes, this modern presentation. And to me, Tulum is such a Melbourne restaurant. It's someone who, you know, you, <laughs> someone is you. It's someone who's got an amazing, rich, storied background, such a incredible, there's so many incredible traditions in Turkish food. And you've been on this personal journey and you've landed in Melbourne, lucky for us. And I think everything is on the plate. Like it, you can really, you can just really sense that it's, it's so rich and there's so much to it. And I'd love you to talk about why you chose Melbourne, Josh Kuhn. 
um, so um, the first time in my, I mean, like, you know, if you don't count the, my high school and high school sport teachers, because it's one way love, that's on the, from my side. And, but the first time actually I fall in love with a, a, a man that who is actually from Melbourne. So we met in, in London. I was studying um, the chefing in the afternoon, the school is finished. And I was on Chelsea on the King's Road. And I was actually sitting in a coffee shop. So if you think about that is like 15 or 16 years ago, my English, you know, I'm even now struggling to explain myself. But then my English was like so bad. And I was in a coffee shop and I ordered, um, I was in a pub and I ordered um, a, a coffee for myself. And so the, the barman, he served two cups of coffee at the same time. You know, like I said, look, you know, I'm a student. I'm trying to explain myself. I order only one. I don't want to pay another like two pounds for another coffee. You know what I mean? Those feelings, you're a student in somewhere else. And, and so while I was explaining myself, and now my partner, his name is Peter, he walked into the coffee shop. I thought, oh my God, I must be in heaven at the moment. And, <laughs> and, and so, so when you walk into the, the coffee shop and then we just connect, it wasn't a gay bar, it wasn't like a gay place, it's just like normal coffee shop, normal pub in, in, in King's Road. And so he came and sit next to me and then I said, can I buy you coffee? So that was like first talk in between. And that was probably 15, 16 years ago. So since then, we clicked and then we have a relationship. Um, so, so he have to, you know, he was working in London. So he had to go back to Melbourne to work. And I'm back to Istanbul for my own work. And then, but in between, this, this millions of miles couldn't um, kill um, our love to each other. So every day, actually, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But, you know, I do, I come here for a holiday when I have time, or he came to visit me in Istanbul. And so five years ago, when he was in Istanbul, you know, we were actually thinking, okay, look, you know, there's no... We can't keep going like this for another 10 years. And so we have to do something. Either finish the relationship or, you know, I come there or you come here. And so when we start talking about this, we realize that, you know, he can't speak in Turkish. So there's no life for him in Istanbul. And then he says, okay, so you're a chef. You can speak English. So we can find your job in, in Melbourne. So that's why actually I moved to Melbourne from Istanbul. Its only reason is the, my partner, Peter. Right. Well, thank you, Peter, for luring Joshkin to Melbourne. We're so lucky to have you. What do you think Melbourne's restaurant scene is going to be like in the weeks, months and, and years ahead? I don't think it's going to change anything 
in a in a quality wise that I'm talking. It, you know, like before I moved here, I was you know visiting theater and go to all the restaurants, and I thought, oh my god, the food, the style of the restaurant, the style of dishes, the creativity, that is like, it's there is nowhere in the world. Like you know, I've been to London and New York, all the big places, Paris, but New. The, the Melbourne food and wine, um, it's I find it like it's a bit high level than other cities around the world. It's my opinion. I mean, like people think maybe other way around, but it's so high quality. Even the coffee shops, the cafes, restaurants, you know, some of the takeaway, you know, places like you know that could be a fine dining in Turkey. You know, takeaway food here in Melbourne, I can serve that in Istanbul as a fine dining. You know, like it's so high level. Um, um, but after this uh, pandemic, I don't believe anything is going to change in the in the creativity and the the service style. The things is going to change. You know, the way that now because the the virus is around still. So we have to, you know, have the face masks and then, you know, cleaning every table before and after. You know, those things are add on another responsibility in the businesses. But in the in the in the restaurant I don't believe, you know, like we're still gonna serve beautiful wines, still, you know, caring people that will come into the restaurants, or the chefs they they're dying to be more creative. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to change anything. It's not going to, like, it's not going worse. It's going better for, for that's what I'm thinking. So it's, it's still going to be the Melbourne that we love. Yes. This is like, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, because it's, you know, I, almost like three months ago, I also become an Australian citizen. And yes. From to be honest, from day one that I moved here, I never ever felt like I'm a stranger. I don't know does it make sense or not, but it feels like I'm you know, I know the I know the city, I know um you know, I, I feel like I was born in here. I love this city. It's it's so beautiful, people are accepted. And very civilized. I, can I tell you that again? It's very civilized city, and <laughs> you know, it's. I, I, I'm really loving this, this, the, the, the lifestyle in this, in this city. Great. Well, you know what? We love, um, we love you. We love that you're an Australian citizen. Uh, we love Tulum. We're so lucky that you're here doing what you do. Joshkin, thank you so much for sharing your story with Dirty Linen today. It's an absolute privilege to hear you speak. I wish you all the best with reopening and I cannot wait to be there immersed in the heart and soul experience that you create. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jenny, for giving me this opportunity. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. 
If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.